Welcome to the Dirty Slides Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Prano, doing my best Andy Ruther impression, coming to you live from Los Angeles, California, with my co-host via Zoom, via Venice, California, the one and only Andy Lazarus. What it is, Joe. How you doing today, bud? Andy, oh. it's a uh, California Friday here. I'm, right. down, I'm down at my place. You're down at your place. We both golf today. Um how are you doing? I, you know, I think I, I feel like we're doing similarly because we're both on the Grint app and I was plus 27 and I saw Andy Lazarus is plus 24 on 17. So it seems like we're in the same boat. Was I plus 24. Yeah, I think I was plus 24. I was on my way. I had a, a 48 in the front and I was on my way to a like a 40 on the back. Until the last three holes happened, and I just double bogeyed them all, and then I think I ended up with a fucking ninety-eight. I was I was forty-nine on the front. Curious. I was forty-nine on the front. And I was like, well, I haven't played in two weeks, but when I right. deliver my best back nine of my life, you know, I'm yeah. You know, I when I shoot a forty, I'll be in at eighty-nine. It'll be great. I we both in. thought we were going to come in with forty, and we were both hugely mistaken hugely mistaken um i i um you know you um yeah hold on one sec till um so you you uh golf today with our boy td i golf yes. with our boy i i golf with our john, boy semmel. john semmel we should have gotten it together we didn't do it um but it was like, you know, you play on your, your thing on Fridays is you play industry Hills golf course. It's a very difficult golf course. It's difficult. Tiger it's Woods, hard. Tiger Woods swing coach once told me it was the hardest course in Southern California. And I, I'll, I'll, I, I, I can't, I can't say it's not. Yeah. Um, but I suck. So, so, I mean, so most, I did, most courses are hard. I didn't play for two weeks and I was like, uh, not going to do it. Going to go to El Dorado right. where they have nice Mai Tais. And <laughs> while I was there after my round today, I was watching D- Jacob DeGrom shove. 15K CG shuddy with, with an RBI knock. Which is where we're going to start. But also we are introducing a new segment in the show. And I know you can bring some guys and I can bring some guys. I'm very excited about this segment. This is going to be our signature segment. I'm pretty sure. Tales from the minors. My golfing partner today played single a ball with Jacob DeGrom. He's coming with some tales from the minors. He specifically has a quote unquote signature story called DeGrom's grandma, DeGrama. DeGrama. So my boy, John Semmel, our boy, John Semmel is going to join us in a few minutes. But Excellent. first, let's just talk about what's going on in baseball until John joins us. Let's start with my boy, Jacob DeGrom. I said on a podcast the other day that I was asked to guest on. This is peak Pedro. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, I, do you think 
you could nail down the moment of peak Pedro when when Pedro peaked out. I think it was during that playoff series where he comes in relief and shut shuts it down for like I don't know. Tw- he comes in in the fifth and it doesn't end to the twelfth and he shuts it down for seven straight innings. I think that was peak Pedro. There was also a peak against Pedro. a mighty Cleveland team. It's also I like believe. a. I feel like peak Pedro is like a moment in time, like we're experiencing with Degrom. Yeah. What about like when you? What about that moment when you knew it was it's all happening? Like Kate Hudson and fucking, you know, uh, almost famous. It's all happening. The moment yeah. I knew that with Pedro is when he was throwing like a no hitter into the tenth. Yeah. And maybe yeah. like still got the loss. And, right. the mo- and the moment I knew that with the Grom was when he had the long hair, he had the striped hat and he was throwing, shoving in that all-star game. And he struck out three of the best hitters in baseball on 10 pitches, only throwing fastballs and one off speed pitch. Yeah. Yeah. But tonight 15 K's. I mean, that's so many strikeouts, dude. He that's won so many strikeouts. They won six, nothing or something like that. He, Pitched the whole game. He struck out 15. He got an RBI. So Jacob DeGrom could have won the game by himself. But it's nice to not have to win the game by yourself. But he did. You know, he had one. Yes. He, he could have yes. won 1-0. But like one time in a row, he got actual run support. Yeah. Like that's how easy it is, Mets, if you can hit but I on love- DeGrom day. But That's I love, how easy it is. I love fuck you, Joe Boo. I'll do it myself. Yeah, I know. I know. I think I think DeGrom definitely leads the league and fuck you, Joe Boo. I'll do it myself. And meanwhile, right? like how many one nothing games has he been a part of where he shoved it, CG Shuddy, and had the RBI? At least five times. Got it. At least, right? He might be, I mean, right now, unless the Mets start trending, trending better offensively, he might be the first starting pitcher in the Hall of Fame with under 100 wins. <laughs> <laughs> it's sick. It's sick. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Let's, if he goes to the Hall of Fame with less than 100 wins, doesn't that kind of mean he's the greatest pitcher of all time? Dude, somebody messaged me today. Shout out to Kyle Arnowski, a.k.a. the Portal yeah. Yid, a.k.a. Yes. You know, the the Tom's river, New Jersey dirt ball. He said, are you willing to go to Grom as the goat yet? And I was like, listen, I'm <laughs> Can't close. Wait. I'm close. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> I'm Bart Scott in this. Can't wait. Let's go. Um, so obviously we are a, we are a, a New York, we are a Los Angeles based show hosted by a Mets fan and a Bay area baseball fan. Your, one a baseball team, the Oakland athletics after we trashed them on last episode. Right. Have one, have one every 11 baseball, in a row, have won every baseball game since we trashed them. Yes. And they won again tonight with Steven Piscotti getting the game winning hit or whatever. Talk about and, it. Uh, Talk I, about uh, it. <laughs> honestly, I missed the whole game. All I did was go to, I, I, I checked it on the game. Dontrell Willis is there on the uh, post game show. They go to Steven Biscotti, and uh, I guess he got a um, some hit in the seventh inning, and they win. And I'm like, well, I guess they're not as shit as we thought they were at the beginning of the season. Steven Biscotti is like, listen, 
no matter how damp it gets in this cappuccino we call life, <laughs> I will I will will remain crispy and delicious. <laughs> I am Stephen Biscotti. Biscotti. A biscotti. Yeah. I'm a I'm a very very hard muffin that we, you dip in coffee, Laz. Before we even get like before we even really dig in, we have tales from the miners coming up. But before we dig in, dig in, dig in to this dirty slides episode, we are doing this tonight for one very particular reason. We got to get this out before the Venice Gays before tomorrow. Yeah, Venice Gays poker tournament. Tell the people about the Venice Gays poker tournament. So what we're trying to do is we're we're setting up a fifty fifty online poker tournament, fifty dollar buy in, twenty dollar rebuys. It starts at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And what we're trying to do is just raise a little money to uh, take care of the uh, field that we play at, you know, because it's just been neglected by COVID. And, uh, you know, not only for us, but for, uh, you know, all the high school kids and all the uh, traveling teams that play there as well. So we're just trying to trying to give back to Sarah High School. And. And all the information for this tournament is on your Instagram, dirty. my Instagram, uh, my Twitter, your Twitter, um, the gays my, Instagram, the gays Instagram, and the gays Instagram right now has the first two uh, Venice Gays 2021 episodes up right now, as well as my Instagram. So check those out. Check out my Instagram. Check out my Twitter feed. I'll tweet one out uh, tonight after we. Um, after we stop recording this pod. So it'll be the first one on my Twitter. So you guys can all see it. It would be awesome for you guys to join. Ain't nothing. Um, so the more people play, the more the more money there is to win, you know, because well, it's well, 50-50, Joe. I'll be there. I know it's in the poker or, 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 or two app, which anybody who has ever played in like a home game online during COVID thing, they all know about the app. Go yeah. to Andy Laz's uh, Instagram. Go to Andy Laz's Twitter. Go to Venice Gay's Instagram. Follow all the instructions. A lot of instructions, but it's very easy. $50 yeah. to the Venice Gay's. Half of it's going to the winner. Half of it's going to the field. It's a great cost. Top three top three winners. First, second, third. Top three get paid. Yeah, top three get paid. So uh, come on I, down. I feel like you're expecting a significant number of people. What are you, what are you expecting? 50 people? I'm hoping for like somewhere between 50 and 70. I think that'd be pretty awesome. We got there, you know, 50 people. I mean, 50 people, you go go home with a thousand bucks. If you win. Could you absolutely could, you know, courtesy of the Venice gays, Joe, I I love it. We're happy to pay out. We're happy to pay out. I'm a big, I'm a big supporter of the Venice gays. I'm, I'm happy to have pitched two thirds of one inning for the Venice gays in the Venice gays history books. I am in there. I'm you are in there. You have a Venice gays reference page. I'm the moonlight Graham of the, uh, of the Venice gays. (laughs) You're always welcome back, bud. You're always welcome back. We see him walking around Venice with an umbrella and we don't know why, because it never rains in Venice. And we talked to him about, he said, I pitched two thirds of an inning. For the Venice game. Yeah. You're just always winking at the winking at girls, telling yeah. them you gotta get back to your wife. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell Giving Suzanne. Them a wink and a, yeah. Don't to, don't don't tell to Suzanne I'm at La Cabana. <laughs> she thinks I'm out with the missus. 
So guys, sign up for uh, the Venice Gays Poker Tournament. It's going to be awesome. Lit. Um, Laz, let's let's start going through. We we may get interrupted for Tales from the Miners, but let's start just going through. Let's just go around the league. Yeah, let's go around the league. But but also, like, before we even start getting to um, going around the standing, let's just talk about the news. If you go on the MLB... ESPN page and you hit news. The very first thing that comes up, obviously, is Jacob DeGrom. Right? Yes. Uh, Let me guess who's next. The Tortuga throwing 46 miles an hour. Well, what I was going to say is everything else is injury news. And then we have our boy. And by the way, everybody's uh, bets have been made for Randy Arozarena. <laughs> Bash is a 445-foot three-run homer versus the Blue Jays. So we've got DeGrom, injuries, Randy for ROI on the, on the ESPN headlines right, right now. Do you think the injury-laden um, start to the season has anything to do with COVID, shortened season last year, weird spring training, or are we just kind of weird spring training? Yeah, I think so. Or are we just so. like, I mean, look- since everybody's a little bit out of rhythm, you'd think, you know, you know, you're going from a 60 game season. Now you're going to the full 162 again. I don't know. I don't know. What's the most, what's the most games you played in the season, Joe? Me? 30, maybe 30. I think I, mean, I played. My college season might have been 30 once, maybe a, a long summer season, 30 yeah, games. I would say, I would say if you go seize it, like, let's say we took it like it was baseball, like it was like MLB and we took right. it from like high school opening day through like, through like Legion ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, as like a spring and summer, say one right. season vibe. I don't know. What's that? Yeah. It's 50, probably six, 50 or 60 games. 55 max. games. I was going to say 55 yeah. games. Max, like how many games have they played already? They probably, I don't know. They probably played 20 games, I guess. And or, you're just, and you're just spent 55 yeah. games in the sun. You're spent. Yeah, dude. You never want to play baseball again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These guys are playing every day. 162, 162 games is too long. Um, What's your anger level like one to 10? You're out at a bar and you you meet a girl and, you know, you get to talk about baseball and she, she, next words out of her mouth, she's like, baseball players are fat. Yeah. Like, like one to 10, where are you at? I, I My anger level, my, my anger levels at like five, but my disappointment level is at is a 10 is at seven and a half. And yeah. my girls are stupid level is at 10. <laughs> Girls don't know. Girls don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Level is Jesus is, Christ. is, yeah. is redlining. <laughs> I saw a baseball player once. He was fat. You know. You know. Uh, you know. Ten guys on the football field at any time are just are literally like clinically obese. Obese. And you right. saw. And you saw. You know. One. You saw, you one saw Bar- fit with a double C baseball. Player. You saw. You saw. You saw Bartolo Colon hitting one time, and you're now like, how come only fat people play baseball? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Shut up, you stupid person. Shut up, you casual. Yeah, you you fucking <laughs> casual little cuck. <laughs> uh, no, unacceptable. I mean, yeah. what's what's crazy is like the the variance in, in athletes in baseball. It's it's probably, you know, everybody's always like, oh, offensive linemen, they're like, they're so fast for their size, which is absolutely true. You know what I mean? But yeah, Bartolo Colon was an athlete, dog. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Oh, it's, we, it's the worst. we don't we don't have any like in major league baseball doesn't have a lot of obese people no i i would say honestly i don't think there's one even even bartolo i mean even bartolo, cl- i think i clinically think clinically he was obese and his neck are obese yeah but there's a lot of muscle in that ass even in in his back and his shoulders and whatever you know, there's a lot more muscle than your but he, typical obese But guy. he was Jonathan Ogden. He was like a, right. a normally sized, but so quick and threw so hard and threw and, you know, grew into it. It's like, yeah, yeah. F- fuck those. Like, listen, the NBA are the greatest athletes in the world. There's no doubt about it. What they do with their size. Like the fact that six, nine guys are walking like Bam Adebayo is the best wide receiver in the history of football. Hey, <laughs> hey, you want to learn to run routes? And he's like. Can I go to the Canton? NBA? Yeah. Can I go to Canton Hall of Fame? They're like, yeah, you can. Um, but like baseball players, I mean, it's such a skill slash athleticism game. Yeah. I mean, there's not one major league shortstop, major league outfielder, you know, major league second baseman who's any kind of fat. No. <laughs> That's, no. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think there's one fat catcher in the big leagues right now. Yeah, you're. I think you're probably right. right. There was a time, right. but but that time is beyond us. That was that time is yeah, like uh, Engelberg in uh, Bad News Bears. Engelberg, the last fat, <laughs> the last fat catcher. <laughs> what is speaking of catchers? I think I think uh, Yachty just caught his two thousandth game wow. recently. Am I am I crazy? That sounds about but it was right. Something like two thousand games. Two thousand, two thousand games, like the better two part games. of four, fourteen years, fifteen years. Yeah, I mean, just the math, real quick. If let's say, you know, I, I just assume Yachty would would could look himself in the mirror if he didn't catch one hundred and fifty games a season, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, he was like, "Oh, you fucking pussy! You only caught one hundred and forty this year, yeah, or something." So let's just say it's 150. Uh, 1,500 three, is 10 years. So 600 is four years. Yeah, 1,500 is 10 years. And so and, and then you're at, and then it's you're like at, 14 straight years of catching. Right. Yeah, you're so, right. Yeah. That's exactly what you said. You said 14. And I was like, let me do the math. Real let quick. me do the math on it. It sounds like 14. <laughs> sounds like 14. You know, I didn't get any math questions wrong on the SATs. I just didn't finish. <laughs> that's that's my claim that's that my real? that's my claim to fame. claim to fame that's my claim to fame that's brilliant they, they always said you know get them right don't worry about doing yeah. them all just get as many right as you can and i was like okay i was like and I, i'm I, your huckleberry I, I i finished like you know nine questions short of finishing and they were like well you got them all right and i was like oh okay and they're like dude that's i mean in my family you're a math genius i wasn't even i wasn't even an honors math because you know you know, Italian lives matter. 
they were like <laughs> they're like you're at a a white high school in Greenwich, connecticut we're assuming the italian guy can't do math i was like how dare you <laughs> how dare you haven't you heard of uh tesla he was italian yeah. wasn't he yeah you know galileo Ma- he, i'm pretty sure galileo knew some math how about leonardo da vinci how about the yeah. guy who invented fucking everything, huh? <laughs> You're like, hey, I invented a helicopter. Really? Yeah. I got yeah. a notebook from 400 years before you, says Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> invented a helicopter. <laughs> invented a helicopter. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so I, I invented the, the drone. The Medici's, they can't count? Yeah. yeah. I invented fucking drones. Did you? Did you? <laughs> I got a notebook, says Leonardo fucking da Vinci. <laughs> uh, invented that shit. 1100 years ago yeah uh laz we got i've got john i got our boy johnny john in the admin i'm bringing him in for tales from the miners i'm so excited about it i'm so excited this is this is exciting has he been admitted where's my guy he's coming in there he is there he is john temple is connecting via audio johnny can you hear us can you hear oh 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 where is he Oh, there he is. You got me? We got you. Oh, John yeah. Semmel. So this is Mr. Per- Intense. This what's is, up, buddy? This is perfect <laughs> timing. Let me introduce all the sliders who are listening to what's happening right now. So uh, my boy Johnny here has joined us. My boy John Semmel. We used to work together. Now we golf together. He's been added to the baseball golf crew. Me, you, Laz, and a mixed bag fourth. We golf together all the time. Uh, we went out to El Dorado Golf Course today. We, I don't. Th- I have never played that. So, what's the scouting report, boys? Here's the only scouting report you need to know: their mai tais are legit. They have legit mai tais for post round action. And they do. It's down in Long Beach. It's it's you know it's it's all John. Where do you rate it on the LA courses? Okay, I, I, no, I do, I do have a take here, Laz. I mean, it's it's not quite a navy, but it's a notch or two below that. Call it a notch okay. below that. I mean, they keep their greens in shape. Pace was a little bit slow today, but usually it's moving. Um, uh-huh. It doesn't sort of have the history that navy does, but um, you still got you water the history in play. Of, the history of holes. The, the history of horrors and tiger and all that good stuff <laughs> yeah um, that, that we love but uh i mean it's still a great course joe joe the food the food I, I, listen i put on my i put on my instagram today i put a a, a turn dog review i put a hot dog at the turn oh review. nice eight nice. and a half a thick girthy hot dog I said I, I described the hot dog. Uh, go to my Instagram at Joe Prano as yeah. uh, it was a Greg Luganis first dive. It was an eight and a half. <laughs> right. <laughs> like they're and not. I, trying- and I think you got a little bit of love from uh, Abe Answers uh, Caddy. If yeah, I, if I'm not mistaken. So we got a little love um, on Instagram. But beautiful. the reason I bring John in, and uh, this is a new segment we're starting called hashtag Tales from the Miners. You know yeah. a bunch of guys who formerly played in the minors last. I know a bunch of yes. guys who formerly played for the mine in the minors. And every minor leaguer in history has great tales from the minors. I, I don't think this is going to be John's last appearance on our show. But today we're on the El Dorado golf course patio. 
Yeah. We get in, we finish up, we order a couple Mai Tais. I pull up my baseball app and I was like, hey, I'm going to throw on my phone here. The end of the Mets game. Pretty sure Jacob Bagram is once again shoving, <laughs> shoving. I pull it up. He's in the eighth. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a shutout. He's doing two hit ball. He's dominating. And this is when Johnny drops on me. He goes, you know, I was in Kingsport, Tennessee for the single A Kingsport Mets for my second year in pro ball for Jacob DeGrom's first year in pro ball. And I said, well, sounds like you're coming on the show today for Tales from the Miners. <laughs> Let for, for the first edition of Tales from the Miners, AKA, let's talk about Jacob DeGrom at 22 years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 not even. I would love to say it's about Jacob Degrom, but it's really not. It's about Jacob Degrom's grandma, which is way more interesting than Jacob Degrom. Yeah, you said to me today, I have a Jacob Degrom's grandma story. But first, let's set the background here. You're playing single A ball, Kingsport, Tennessee, right? For, for in, in the New York Mets organization. How old are you? How'd you find yourself there? What's Jacob DeGrom's hair like at the time? Yeah. Did you face him in a simulated game? Yeah. What does it look like to stand in against Jacob DeGrom? Yeah. All, all, all valid questions. I mean, I was uh, 21 at the time. I was a 26-round draft pick out of a Division three school in, in Orange County called Chapman University. D3? D3, absolutely. Represent. I mean, that's right. The best baseball is played there. Let's let's be honest. Yeah, let's be um, real. And it was the, it was my second year. I had to revisit uh, low A again, and, and by low I mean rookie ball. I wasn't valid enough to go up to you know high A or double A or progress. They say you know let's let's have you repeat it. Is this one more year of seasoning? It, yeah, you need is a little this, seasoning. My, yeah, my, get a little more, get a little more seasoning and, and shout out to my manager, Mike DeFelice. If you're listening to this, I love you. Uh, 12 year big leaguer as a, as a backup catcher. Um, you want to talk about seasoning uh, one of the all time greats in my opinion. Um, but it was DeGrom's first year and he was, he was my locker mate and he was a scrawny kid uh, out of, I don't even know what school in Florida, but he was a shortstop. He it was, was like, a shortstop. It's like, uh, oh, what is it called? It's like, uh, it's, it's something. Lakeland. No, it, but it is in something. Florida. It's like Des, right. Destin, something like, it's like, uh, God, Stefano, go Florida. but he went to college and he, and this is what I, I always know, you know, if you're a Mets fan, you know, the tale, Jacob DeGrom was a shortstop in college. Now you hear that, but you also think, oh, he was a shortstop, but he was also their ace. Like Mark Kotze, remember back in the uh, in the College World Series, yeah. he was he was, he was Fullerton center fielder. He was also their closer. You know, yeah. what I mean? he was also legit. Uh, yeah, right. I'm pretty sure up. he closed games with like uh, BGs in his back pocket. Yeah, <laughs> I think it makes it even better. Yeah, and, and this is why my stoner brain is working. I believe Jacob Degrom went to Stetson University in Florida. Stetson. Now I Stetson. said to John. He, I, go, I go, he was a shortstop in college, but he was also a pitcher. And John said, no, 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 no. 
he was a shortstop in college. The Mets were like, now you're a pitcher. Get on the mat. Get on Correct? the mat. So, yeah, go ahead. That's now. exactly it. And, and the same thing happened with me. I mean, at the time, the Mets uh, minor league system. You were in the expensive. outfield, John, at the time? I was in the outfield, it, but you got to realize, I mean, the minor league system, it, it wasn't as regimented as I think right. the way that they, they handle things now. I was a pitcher and outfielder mm-hmm. and they kind of just picked one and say, Hey, you know, you're, you're an outfielder now that we drafted you. And for whatever reason, if I, if I remember correctly, DeGrom was an eighth round draft pick. who's really tall, really lanky. Um, and they said, Hey, you know, we're going to turn you into a pitcher. Um, but who knows, flip a coin with the Mets at that point with, with their development. I think they were in between the whole Madoff thing. They were in between general managers. It was, wasn't exactly a, a tight shit being run there. Yeah. Although I had a great experience. I I'd say sometimes, uh, the, the orders from the top were, were sort of mixed messages, but neither here nor there. DeGrom's an eighth rounder. Um, really tall, lanky kid was, was my locker mate the second year in, um, Kingsport, Tennessee, which ceases to be a league, uh, mind you guys, they, they shut it down as of this year. Uh, the, the Appalachian league, which is like one of the, in my opinion, one of the like most grassroots sort of league leagues as it goes in, in, in the minors. And, um, DeGrom was a, a, a tall, lanky kid, very quiet, um, uh, had a very calm sort of demeanor. You could tell he was uber competitive um, and he had, he had good stuff. I wouldn't say it was like shocking. I mean, I, I played with guys like Familia or, um, you know, there's, there's a few other pitchers, but really a guy like Familia or, or Matt's, you know, mm-hmm. was, was on my team at the time where you're like, Hey, these guys are, you know, going to the show and going places, you know, Matt's, 18, 19 years old, you know, 92 to 95 with a really nice second or third pitch. Familia, same thing, 6'4", just massive Latin, running it up 96 to 100 consistently. Uh, But then you had your Jacob deGrom, eighth round pick, and he was was sort of around the mill. It was was nothing special, uh, so to speak. He was 90 to 93, very lanky kid. You could tell he was competitive. But the instance Joe is talking about um, is it really has nothing to do with Jacob Bergram. It has everything to do with Jacob Bergram's grandma. And really in the minors, you get, you get lonely out there. And so you're, you're excited for when family comes to visit you. And sure. so on, on this particular occasion, my mom came out to visit me on my second year. And, now and your I'm mom. homesick. I'm a, I'm a 22-year-old kid. Uh, in John, yeah, John, real quick, where are yeah. you guys staying at this point? Like, where are you living? Yeah, well, are you in like an econo lodge? Are you are like you in, in a like... home or an econo lodge? Right. So they they put us up uh, in the I don't even know what the fuck they were. They they were. Uh, <laughs> did you apartments. have a roommate? Did you have a roommate? I did have a roommate. My roommate, yeah. shout out Zarika McQueen uh, from McCoo, Mississippi. Zarika um, McQueen. McQueen. Zarika McQueen. He was my roommate for that second That's, year. That sounds like maybe a, the greatest, the greatest name yeah. of any roommate ever. That sounds like a, a, McQueen? a secondary character in Pixar's Cars. 
And then Zurika yeah. McQueen comes around the corner. He, he might be. He was a hell of an outfielder. I loved being his roommate, and we had a hodgepodge of other roommates, some who I remember their names, some who I don't. Um, but, yeah, six guys in a two-bedroom apartment. Yeah. And, yeah. and multiply that by, you know, whatever, the team. So we're, we're in apartments. Um, in the Latins' apartment, they like to execute chickens and hold a ceremonial um, <laughs> execution ceremony, usually Friday or Saturdays uh, is when it went down. Uh, chicken was great. Uh, it was usually chicken and rice, no vegetables, but chicken and rice. Um, but in this particular instance, in every, by the way, in every baseball thing ever, major league boulder, then there's always some kind of sacrifice. The lack of the lands are, the lands are sacrificing chickens. You'd like to think that those things are for written for comedic value, but the fact that they exist in every single iteration of baseball comedy, yeah, every minor yeah. league ever is like, yeah, that happened. We sacrificed chickens in Zurika Urania's <laughs> room. <laughs> it actually, it, it wasn't Zurika. It, I, I wish it was Zurika. It, it was the Latin's apartments, and um, it was usually to to break up a hitting slump. I mean, it yeah. was either that or you know your so called slump buster insert, you know whomever there. Now, um, John, we've talked a lot about slump busters on the dirty slides and the dirty sports. Do you believe sure. in the power of the slump buster? Absolutely. I mean, it's hundred percent, no right? It's, it's it, yeah. No, there's like, no question about it. Do yeah. you remember your most busty slump busty? Do you remember? Do I you do. Remember, I do, do actually. And, and and unfortunately, it would probably be at in college. I w- I was such a basket case in the minors that. And for, um, by the way, for you, before I let John continue for you, new sliders, slump busters is a term for just, you know, getting, you know, uh, having some sort of activity, uh, friendly, a- out. Fr- friendly activity with somebody that is, you know, not the most attractive woman. You, you do, you, 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 you scrape the you bottom of the barrel on purpose. You, yeah. You and scrape the, the bottom of the barrel solely. And the more to, you do it with, with pure intentions, you know, the better will end up for you the next day. Like, meaning if you go, if you really go for it and, and really seek commit. out, you commit, you must commit. You must commit. So you, did, yes. you did this in college, John. In, in college, it was in play. In, in, in the minor leagues, you know, I was a bit of a basket case. I was, I was up, I was down. Uh, I was in Kingsport, Tennessee, Pulaski, West Virginia, Bristol, Tennessee. I mean, th- these aren't exactly, you know, go these out. These are very sort small, of areas. small towns, and, and they know what slump busting is too. They, so, they do. You know, they do. Yeah, like they, your game. You know, they know your game pretty quick. You get there, and I they're imagine. like, "This whole town's built on slump busting. <laughs> <laughs> we we wouldn't be, we wouldn't even be a right. stop on the interstate yeah. if it wasn't yeah. for the disgusting." female <laughs> children of our uh bloodlines to get yeah. one to get future major leaguers out of a good slump <laughs> me, and my wife, is, like, me and my wife have had two daughters solely to break future major <laughs> leaguers out of the slump, and they send us cash in the mail <laughs> i have a 1200 check here from mike trout that said thank your daughter becky <laughs> my career <laughs> that's Entirely accurate, right there. 
I mean, John, do you, you remember know, how many hits see- you had the next day after the the slump buster in college? Do you remember your line? Yeah, it's after, you know, it's yeah. two to three yeah. hits. It's it's yeah. two to three hits. You might have got a dinger. I mean, things start feeling free. You know, you, right. you start to loosen up a little. Shoulders sink down. You know, the yeah. the, the the jaw relaxes a little bit. It's mm-hmm. it's all kind of sort of getting in the mojo, right? Because yeah. you can't be too tense when you're playing this game. You got to have a little bit of relaxed. I'm starting to think I need to have, I'm starting to think I need to have sex with a disgusting girl at the turn on every golf course. Well, that might help you. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I need a slump buster mid round. I mean, I mean, I feel like, I feel like we could make this happen. (laughs) It's like a 75 year old Asian guy length. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What do you think tigers? What do you think tigers dad was doing? Yeah. By the way, tiger, his whole childhood. I think this is the thing too. This is why Tiger Woods is the greatest golfer of all time. He only fucks threes. He's like, I, <laughs> I stay busting slumps. Yeah. I've never been in a slump. You can't, you yeah. can't get in a slump if you only bust them all the time. It would make sense if Tiger Woods only played threes, fours, and fives. You I know, mean, it's, that that guy has had arguably the best run. If we're talking slump busters in the last 20 years of any human in the world. Right. Right. He's like, I've heard the slump buster theory and I now only pick up women at Perkins <laughs> <laughs> and I shoot 61 <laughs> every and I, day. Yeah. And I go 11 right. under 11 under nine under. Right. And I, Let's right. go. Um, all right, John, it's gotta be great to be a rich slump buster. Okay, go John. Let's get back to it. So, okay. So you're in Kingsport, Tennessee. Okay. Okay. First of all, before we continue again, Andy Lazarus, because Andy and I have talked about this. He mentioned, you know, Matt's Matt's is one of the guys on the radar. We talked about Matt's leaving my New York Mets this year. Do you remember me telling you Steven Matt's would haunt my dreams? Yeah. Steven Matt's is four and oh for the Toronto Blue Jays. This, this Steven Matz is going to win the most games in baseball this year. It's haunting me. Anyway, side side note. So I need to hear about Jacob DeGrom's grandma. Yeah, yeah. Would love to tell the story. And by the way, on, on the Steven Matz note and familiar note, like those were always the guys that I was like, yeah, okay, that, that's either a future Hall of Famer or that's, like, a guy that's going to spend a decade in the big leagues. Like, it was very obvious that Familia or Steven Matz was uh, – they, they had the talent, they had the body, they had the – you know, I, I was talking to you about a, a night, you know, midsummer in July. I remember Familia, he, he was a starter at the time. We were playing Bradenton, Florida. I mean, he sat 96 to 100 for nine innings. And it was like the most amazing spectacle of pitching just from a pure power standpoint. He, he was probably, you know, 23, 24 at the time. It, it was shocking. It was never like, Oh, Jacob DeGrom, this guy's going to be incredible. He was always just sort of long and lanky and he was extremely competitive, but he never had that sort of star power on me, at least as his first year, that was my impression. And I think, it's a testament to sort of his work ethic and his commitment to the game to get to where he is now, which is, you know, head and shoulders above anybody else's. Everybody. What's crazy You're here is, nor there. What's crazy is you mentioned Familia. What's crazy is you mentioned Familia. Familia yeah. on 
the 2014, 2015 World Series team, 2016. Jerry's Familia is the, a dominant closer for the Mets, but now he is, now he's on the decline of that. He's not even our ninth inning guy anymore. He's a questionable back end guy. Like, we love him. Mets fans, we love him, but right. he's a questionable back. Jerry's Familia is 31 years old. Jacob DeGrom is 32 years old and getting better every single day. He's two Cy Youngs. He's coming off a Mickey Mouse season. He's going to win the Cy Young this year. He's going to have three Cy Youngs in four years. He's going to have three Cy Youngs in three full seasons. This is mind-blowing. But it seems like this maybe is uh, all all this gumption, all this energy comes from something in his family. Perhaps Which, his grandma. Perhaps his grandma. <laughs> per, perhaps his grandma. I mean, it's it's no doubt it's his grandma. Uh, and so just just like start the story off. So like I'm a lonely low A minor leaguer. I am not an eighth round draft pick. I am a 26 round draft pick on the fringe. His second year. That is more than excited to have his mother come out and take him out to dinner uh, for the week. Right. So. Um, the, and, and I told Joe at, after golf, I was like, this isn't much a story, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell it anyway. Um, and, and, and really, the story comes from, from my mom. After coming to uh, a few games here or there, she, she's with me you know, for, for a week. And probably after the second or third game, she, she, she brings it up and says, hey, you know, that, that DeGrom, he's, he's pretty good, but um, – Man, his grandma cannot stop talking about him. And I guess his grandma is from the deep South and, and really believed in Jacob as a pitcher. And, and for my mom to comment on somebody over talking really means that they were over talking. Cause you're talking yeah. <laughs> about a lady that, I mean, she, she lives and dies by the gab. And so for, for her to come back to me with, some comment about uh, a player's <laughs> immediate family means they were really talking. They it's were like, really talking. It was something to report about. It's, you know, like when Laz, she, it's like when Laz was like, you know, that guy really smokes a lot of weed. You're like, yeah. whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> hey, hey, whoa. Ex- shit. Ex- exactly. Ex- exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. And so the the sort of nugget that my mom had to, to bring back to me at, at Panera Bread at 9:30 p.m. or maybe it's 11:30 p.m. Um, in Kingsport, Tennessee, was you know Jacob's grandma had she was just going on that Jacob he's got a lightning rod for an arm I mean that Jacob he's been eight years old and he could throw that he could throw that ball. I mean, he could really hum that ball in there. You see Jacob throwing that ball. I mean, he's been throwing that ball since he was nine years old. And it was, does she have dementia? Does she have some sort of mental function that's that's not quite in order? Who knows what the story is? But the genesis of it is that that family foundation was built off of Jacob DeGrom's right arm. I mean, that was very clear. The mother, the grandmother, 
Uh, I'm not sure if the father was in the picture. I can't comment on that. Oh man, that wouldn't that be such from... a better story that like he pitches with the fury of not having a dad? Like this is yeah. I don't know if this is part of I, I, I have I yeah. have no con that that's why I said Joe. I don't know if I have so a story ba- here. But basically Jacob deGrom is Ricky Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Jacob deGrom yeah. is Ricky Bobby. Jacob deGrom I mean, likes to go fast. But Jacob deGrom goes fast. And Jacob yeah. grandma, she winning, also goes losing. fast. Yeah. Let me let me tell you what I took away from this story though. Cuz John's like does Jacob DeCrom's grandma have dementia? She repeats yeah. herself all the time. All she does is talk up Jacob DeCrom's arm. She she couldn't be she couldn't be more of a like Jacob DeGrom right arm pitching truther, right? right. Now, right. the Mets have drafted Jacob DeGrom in the 8th round. The Mets have sent him to Kingsport, Tennessee. They let our boy Johnny fucking Samuel move up to, you know, high A before they move up Jacob DeGrom. He's behind Mats. He's behind Familia. He's behind whoever. And now we're looking at a guy in the big leagues who's in a peak Pedro moment of his career. I hate to say it, but I think Jacob DeGrom's grandmother might be the best scout in in baseball. <laughs> let me just push back the, on that. Just a smidge. Just this. If she was such a great scout, how come she didn't have him converted to pitcher earlier? True. Maybe right? no one was. Maybe that's no one was listening. Yeah. Maybe no one was listening to Grandma. She's been. She, yeah, it may, seems, maybe maybe that's true. It seems maybe like she's true. been pretty hard on this. I talked to yeah. Jacob Degrom's grandma earlier today, and she's like, "I'll tell you one thing: the only guy I ever saw who could handle my boy Jakey's little arm." Was little Mikey Trout? I don't know what <laughs> you know. We were out there in the league. Little Mikey, he hit the ball pretty hard. Everybody else, I don't know. It's like, did Jacob Degrom's mom, grandma, discover Jake Degrom and Mike Trout? Like, what is happening? <laughs> it was for for my mother. You know, to... everybody calls him little Giancarlo. I called him little Mikey Stan. Then he hit the ball pretty hard. <laughs> Jacob, for my mother to bring back that tricky. nugget. No, no, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was saying that obviously Jacob DeGram's uh, grandma is Branch Rickey. The greatest talent evaluator of all time. With with more racism. Right, right. (laughs) He obviously saw something that nobody else saw. And, uh, you know, Jacob took it and he he ran with it. And give the guy credit. I mean, when when he was – his first year, it was – there, I have to be honest. Like I was his teammate. There was nothing special about it. I mean, competitor check. Same with the other six pitchers on the, the mound. He, you know, was intense, cared about what he did, always put in the effort. But, you know, there, there were certain guys where you're just like, hey, you know, like they, there's there's something extra there. I, call it what it is. And that's probably why I didn't make it. But I didn't see it in Jake. Uh, I really didn't like, it wasn't anything that, that crossed my mind. And, and, and for, for my mom to come back to me and say, man, his grandma just couldn't shut up. I mean, for my mom to tell me that really tells me something because that means that she really couldn't shut up and, and, you know, tip the cap. Like he, he continued to get better. He grew into his body. He obviously gave a shit about what he did. He had his family, you know, to back him and, well, well most- John, I'm sure your mom was trying to brag about you, but just couldn't get a word in edgewise, you know, because of 
Jacob DeGrom's grandma. And that's you why know, she was so steamed. You know, came back to you. That's probably a great point. That's probably yeah. a great point. I, yeah. I didn't get that second side of the story, but you know, maybe that's why she kept bringing it up is, yeah. is hey, that, that Jacob, he just got a lightning rod for an arm. He's just <laughs> got a lightning rod for an arm. You got to really look out for him. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know what? Grandma was right. Grandma was Grandma's right. I think this, I think right. this is, this is what, you know, we are getting the momentum started here. I need this story to get on the slides, to get on Twitter, to get on Instagram. This needs to, you know, turn into some snowball effect. I need Jacob. I need Gary, Keith, Ron, Jacob DeGrom's grandma. She's probably dead at this point, but you know, Keith, you know, Keith will, Keith will use a Ouija board and talk to her. <laughs> John, well, how would, old do you think how old do you think Jacob DeGrom's grandma was at the time? You know, they, they, they pump it out, they pump them out early in, in that's what I was thinking, you know, sound yeah. in the south. And like, you know, I mean, did your mom say that like Jacob DeGrom's grandma was much older than than her? Like it, you know, it, the only thing that came to mind uh for me was somebody out talked my mother, which was just shocking that it even came up as a dinner topic. Right, because, right. That alone was was uh, news, I, I but I, I can't imagine she was she was all that old as as a grandma because I think you know they kind of they kind of pop them out early down there and um, yeah. who, who knows how old she is right I, I, I obviously I had her facilities Jacob Drum's grandma on the show Joe I know that's what I'm saying we, we got to find her well, she's not dead so I I really want to make tales from the miners a segment. John, John stepped in. He gave us a Jacob DeGrom's grandma story. He gave us some Mets. You know, he gave us some, what, what years were that where you were in the Mets system? And, and, and that's the real kicker in it, right? It's, it's 2010, 2000 or 2009, 2010, 2011. And that's why, like, to me, that's why it's special because, you know, I, I have my mom telling me about this in 2011 and, and like, I kind of forgot about it. Like, and 10 years later, he's. 10 years later or whatever, like six years later, it's like, Oh shit, this, you know, seven years later, this guy's the best pitcher in baseball. And, you know, that was like sort of the nugget that came out of, you know, my mom's visit to, to Kingsport, Tennessee was Jacob DeGrom's grandma. She can yap, she can yap <laughs> and she, she, she can yap pretty well. She'll keep anyone's ear. And, and just so, so be it that, you know, the guy turns out to be the best pitcher in baseball 10 years later, but, you know, it was a great experience and fuck. I mean, it's something you take to the bank. You know, you played with a guy that's, you know, once in a generation. I've got three questions for you. These are going to be staples in tales from the miners, uh, uh, going forward. Yeah. Um, one, you told us Jacob DeGrom, you didn't believe in him, but he, it worked out. You know, you were, right. you didn't, you didn't see him as the goat turned out to be the goat who's right. the guy you were like this guy for sure is the next buck fucking big thing this guy's gonna hit 40 bombs in the big leagues and who was never heard from again give me a name guy who didn't well, make it, it. it and i i brought him i brought him up before and it, it wasn't it wasn't a batter actually i mean i i've played with i played with daniel murphy i played with justin turner i played with you know a lot of some guys that petered out uh valdespin you know he was a shortstop for the the mets for a while um but it, it, it goes back to, to uh, Uris Familia. 
I can re recall distinctly a night in Bradenton, Florida in 2011, a hot August night. And this guy got on the mound in the first and he started at 96 and he ended up at 100 miles an hour and, and kept it there for, for nine innings with like two or three secondary pitches. And it, it was like, you know, it, it was my sort of hello, like welcome to the fucking show moment where it was shocking really to see somebody like hold that velocity and also accuracy with a secondary mix and a third pitch. That was the guy I always thought was like, all right, this guy's, you know, 6'4", 240, 250. Like no doubt this guy's going to be, you know, 10, 15 years in the big leagues. He just had, he had the body. He had what I thought he had the mental skills to, to make it. And, you know, it's it, baseball is a crazy game. He, he ends up, you know, petering out. I don't know where he is at, at today, but he's, that he's, was the guy that he's I was the Mets, like, yeah. He's the Mets eighth inning guy. Yeah, he's Sorry, still, Sanders. yeah, he's still doing it. You okay. Know? He's, he shows what it. I know. Like I, yeah. I, you know, I'm trying, I'm just trying to make the corn fairy tour guys. Like I, I've, <laughs> I've, I've checked right. out on baseball. two, two questions. These will be rapid fire. What rapid is your great, what is your greatest minor league moment? Oh, my greatest, my greatest minor league moment is, um, that's a really good question. My greatest minor league moment is, and, and this is going to sound weird, but uh, someone will, uh, we had beef with the Astros, um, Greenville Astros. And this was Altuve's first year. So Altuve was at second this year. The story has nothing to do with him, but he was sort of on the up and up when I was there. And um, my greatest moment was uh, sort of hanging in there when I had a pitcher throwing at my head. And rather than completely charging the mound and beating his ass, I kept the composure. I took my base. He turns out to be a wild pitcher. Uh, I took my base like, like a good ball player. My manager loved the way that I carried myself. And the next game, you know, ordered a hit on the batter. And I got to take the lineup card out um, to the to – the, uh, opposing manager to let him know that your first batter is going to get 97 in the, in the ear hole because you guys, <laughs> you, you, del <laughs> you deliver the lineup card to home plate. Yeah. Yeah. All on Mike De Felice. Do you yeah. know, for, for all you guys out there, do, do some homework on Mike D Felice. He was, I remember Mike D Felice. Yeah. So, yeah. so Mike D Felice, Felice goes, Samuel, you're taking the card out and that's to send a <laughs> message. First guy's getting in the ear. Right. Yeah. And it was, it was Samuel. I love the way that you played, you know, you played hard all last game. You stood in there. The guy couldn't hit me in the, in the head or wherever he was trying to hit me, but I stood in there. Uh, and, and rather than sort of, you know, attacking the pitcher, I just took my base and my manager loved it and uh, rewarded me with, you know, the next guy getting in the next game or ear hole 97. So I didn't that, even know this. To me, I, I didn't know this is the thing. This is very game of Thronesy. And now you oh, yeah, will deliver totally. the, yes. the, and now you will send the, the, the crow or whatever the fuck it is. Heads that's it. on pikes. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. All yeah. right. And then the last question before we get you out of here, John, what's the moment you knew it was like, you were like, I ain't cut out for this. I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not destined for Cooperstown. What was the moment? That's a great question. And it's a tough question too, because You're like, I'm not sure you know, it's happened yet. 
Yeah, I, that it's a great. I know the exact moment, and it's a great question. And I, I am someone that carries a ton of confidence about myself, and and I still to this day think I could have made it. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you, the moment that I was like, you know what, there might be a little bit of a separation here, is Carlos Beltran was rehabbing with Mets, and I, and I happened to have a back injury at the same time. So we were in the same sort of rehab group in Port St. Lucie. And there was one day where they said, Hey, you know, you, you got the field with Beltron. You guys are, you know, you guys are doing shit together today just to get him reps or whatever. And they, they take us out to, to St. Lucie. And I kind of, I kind of, you know, uh, walk, walk on the field. Beltron's already there kind of getting warmed up. I don't know what I'm getting into. Uh, but I, I walk onto the field and he's got a short tee, not a big tee, but he's got like one of these small tees. He's taking one handed reps and he's, he's batting left. I distinctly remember he's batting left hand. He's got the, the bat in his right hand. And I see him hitting the ball out of the ballpark on the tee with his right hand. There was no left hand. And, and I was like, uh, wow. yeah, I'm out. I am completely <laughs> out. I I don't have a quarter of that pop. I mean, you'd have to have two bats on, you know, two hands on the bat and maybe a running start. And I could get you some morning track power with, with, you know, no velocity there. Right. And he's, he's sitting there hitting the ball out of the ballpark with his right hand hitting lefty. And that was the moment that I knew like, you know, I may, I may not have it. I may not be there. Uh, and, and, you know, Carlos Beltran obviously had a lustrous career and was one of the best athletes, in my opinion, to ever play a game. But that was sort of the moment that I was like, yeah, there, there might be a little bit of a difference between him and me. Yeah. Wow. And for everybody who's listening to this, I just want you to know, Andy Lazarus and I have seen John Semmel hit a golf ball 340 yards. Like yeah, a, 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 a clean, a clean 340. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Carl, I don't even want to know what Carl, which side of the tee box Carlos Beltran hits from and how far he can hit it, but it's, it's probably far. Very far and very demoralizing. <laughs> John, my longest, are... my longest drive is, is Semmel's maybe five wood. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm always trying to be a club behind him and be out in the same general area. Right. Right. John, right. you are our premier guest on uh, tales from the Miners. We thank you for joining us. Well and, done, uh, sir. Anytime guys. Uh, I know you got some juice with this clip. I mean, there's, there's a lot of uh, stories to come. Well, thank you for joining us. We're going to really wrap up this episode. And we're, I'm, I have a feeling we're, you're, we're going to have you back for another tales from the Miners. You're going to court, you know, get For all sure. your stories together and we'll bring you back sometime soon and we're playing tuesday time. yeah and we're playing tuesday, tuesday and we're playing tuesday, tuesday navy tigers Beautiful. course tuesday and navy we'll see you there see you buddy all right, buddy later guys later. so we're going to take a little look around the league right now laz and uh the first thing i want to start with i don't know if you saw this interesting little tidbit of history but Today is, I believe, the 20th or the 22nd or something anniversary of Fernando Tati Sr. homering twice. I believe it was two in grand his, slams in one inning, two grand slams, in one inning off the Dodgers. 
And Fernando, I, Fernando and he's Tatis, playing for the Cardinals at the time, yeah. Correct. And Fernando yes. Tatis Jr. today goes Yambo twice against Kershaw in Dodgers. Wow. Wow. Um, just to start right there, this Padre Dodger thing that's going on right now. Is it the most is, exciting thing that's happening in baseball? I, I believe it is. Behind, I believe Jacob, it is. behind Jacob DeGrom. Uh, and Jacob DeGrom's grandma, obviously. Right, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think this rivalry is the new hotness rivalry. Because I need I need Fernando Fernando Tatis Primero, like the grand like Fernando Tatis Jr.'s grandfather and Fernando Tatis Sr.'s father to weigh in on Dodgers Padres. Padres. No, I mean, like seriously, just the star power involved on both teams and 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 the and the kind of big brother, little brother thing that's going on. Like um the Dodgers still kind of feel like they've been there before they've done it or whatever. And little bro is biting at their heels, but little bro is coming up and taking big swings at big bro and big bro really is forced to defend themselves. This is and like, I think it's going to be awesome all season. This is like when the older brother is, is in his like angsty, teenage years like he's he's yeah. pushing senior year he's starting to hook up with girls and like the little brother who's like 11 comes in and like tears down a mega death poster and sucker punches him in the face <laughs> get some <laughs> you only had a girlfriend like once like, yeah. whoa <laughs> whoa 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 dodgers right. dodgers coming off of fucking a mickey mouse world series Right. You didn't even right. fuck her. You got a fucking <laughs> hand job, you bitch. And he's like, Mom. <laughs> the do- now, but, I'm here for it. But here's I'm the here thing. for little bro. Here's the thing, Laz. We're going to start in the NL West. Here's yeah. the real thing, though. Here's the thing. Yeah. I'm going to say here's the thing one more time. Here's the thing. One more. What's the thing, Joe? You got the Dodgers who are on, you know, Honestly, record-breaking pace, 14 and 5. Yeah. You got the little brother San Diego Padres, 11 and 10, but like fight they're you know, they're up, they're up 3-1 right now. Tatis has two bombs in this game. They're making it. But in between them, in between Wouldn't them, you know? In the stand, you know? The 13 and 7 San Francisco Giants. Talk to me about your San Francisco Giants. They're pitching a lot better than expected. Kevin Gossman is is the real deal all of a sudden. Um, where was he? Where did he pitch? The Orioles, the Twins? Like, where, where was that guy come from? Yeah, Orioles. Um, the Orioles, right? He's good. He's like legitimately good. I've been impressed. It's the first time I've really uh, got a look at him. Um, uh, their pitching's been good. They hit home runs like a real major league team now. Yeah, their defense hasn't been awful yet, and don't look now. But Buster Posey and his hip are back. He's got a healthy hip. He's got five five bombs already. Five bombs for Buster Posey. Yeah, he didn't hit five welcome bombs. Back, in the last two years. Back, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Now, what? Yeah. What's your hopes? What's your dreams? What's your realistic? Like, where do the San Francisco Giants finish in the NL West? Uh, third place. And are you hoping that they play 500 baseball? 
I'm hoping they play. I think I'm hoping for like to get to 85 wins. That's fine. Yeah, I, I'm hoping for 85 and 77. That's a great stepping stone. That's where the Padres were like two years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they've got some veteran leadership who's been done there before. It's been a little bit, but you know, I can see them maxing out to 90. You know, winning 90 games, but beyond that, everything everything would have to really go right for them. You know, for that to happen, um, but not too fucking bad, Joe. I know it's Not a great, it's a great start for the, I, I feel like this is better than you could have hoped for at the end of, you know, April for your hundred percent. hundred percent. Then again, the, I would take a seven and 13 start. If you told me the Niners would not draft Mac Jones. Right. You really That's don't another want, thing for another day, but you got Wayne Gallman. Hey, not too bad. You got the not Wayne train. Bad. I wanted yeah. the I wanted the Wayne train. They they the the Giants went out and signed running backs when they had the Wayne train just sitting there. I think you're really going to enjoy Wayne Gallman. I mean, it, all you got to do is stay healthy, and he's my favorite. I'll get his jersey. He's Mister Stay Healthy. He's Mister Guy. You give the ball when the other guy doesn't stay healthy. Yeah, exactly. We need one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. So we got <laughs> we got the Dodgers at fourteen and five, the Giants at thirteen and seven, the Padres at eleven and ten. We don't talk about teams under 500. That's the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Colorado Rockies. In the NL Central, Milwaukee Brewers have come on strong. They're seven and three. Who knew the Brew Crew? They are uh, six and four. Sorry, six and four in their last ten. They're eleven and eight overall. Um, the Chicago Cubs are ten and nine after sweeping my New York Mets. The St. Louis Cardinals are nine and ten. The Cincinnati Reds, who Andy Ruther's Cincinnati Reds, who started super hot, are nine and ten, and the Pittsburgh Pirates, being one of the you know essentially being a terrorist attack on Major League Baseball, are nine and eleven. Never forget. That's not so bad for the Pittsburgh Pirates, though. <laughs> right? They're hanging in there. So you know, good on you, Pirates. I see you. I see you. Um, I still, you know, at nine and ten, and only. Two games out of first place. I still think that's the Cardinals' decision. Am I an asshole for that? No, not at all. That's that's gonna be that's gonna come down right to it. Come down, come right down to it. With the with the Brewers, the with the Brewers just in the central, the, yeah, the Cubs, the Cardinals. You know, who knows what if uh, the Reds are Fugazi or not? Right, but the Red. I mean, know, the Reds are probably already, are. The Reds are already Fugazi at nine and ten. They started off yeah. so hot. They are yeah. three and seven in their last ten. They have lost five straight. I mean, it could happen to anybody, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I the I don't know what to tell you. The NL East, the Reds, the NL East, the Mets have I I believe missed seven games already to some combination of COVID and or weather. They are eight and seven. They lead the game by one division over the nine and ten. Uh. Where are you? Now Where the you? Mets, nobody on the Mets has gotten COVID. They just keep playing teams with COVID, right? Cor- correct. They are one game up over the nine and ten Philadelphia Phillies and nine and ten Atlanta Braves. Uh two games up over the eight and eleven and seven and ten uh Miami Marlins what? and Washington Nationals, respectively. And I love this because we don't talk about teams that are under 500 on the show. So there's no reason to talk about anybody, but the Mets in the, the New York, 
Metropolitans and the GOAT, Jacob deGrom, and his grandmother, eight and seven. They are the only <laughs> team that matters in the in the NL East. And nothing else matters. Um, the AL West, your Oakland Athletics have now taken over sole possession of first place at 13 and seven over this. I mean, I feel like the Seattle Mariners are your San Francisco Giants of the AL West. Yeah, I, I for some reason, I think uh, the Mariners are a little more fugazi than the Giants. Maybe that's because I'm a, a Giants fan. Mm. I just I mean, we lost the Mariners in the, the opening round and uh, opening series. And I was just like, well, we suck because the Mariners aren't really good. But what do I know? Because they're 12 and eight and they're right in the mix. So God bless them. Yeah. I I mean, I think, I think the Mariners really are the San Francisco giants of the AL West. I I don't, we have, we actually have a lot of Mariners fans who are fans of the dirty slides. And I, I don't want to demean the 12 and eight, but it's, it's certainly not. How long can you keep it up? Um, Are they one of those teams like the Braves a few years ago who can do it earlier than people are expecting them to do it and like hold it out all season? Or does this like, you know, we talked about it before the most games we ever played were 55 games. You know, right. when, when young right. guys, when young guys come up and they play a hundred games for the first time, they tend to get into the August doldrums, Oakland, obviously a more veteran team, the angels, Houston, even Texas, more veteran teams. But I love, I love that Seattle's turned it on and turned it on fast. I like to see, I like, I, I feel like the Mariners being good is good for baseball. Absolutely. I mean, it's good for Seattle. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, let's go. Absolutely. I, I hope they're great. Now they might require, they might require a little bit of more deep dive. Right now, I've got the uh, the Minnesota Twins, although they're 7-11. Um, I've had requests to the Kansas City Royals. So I think I'm going to go Royals first deep dive, Mariners second, Twins third. And deep, and by deep dive, you mean requests from sliders? To from like- sliders to be like, yo, check out this team. Like, yeah. let's give it a real deep dive. Yeah. And so I- the Royals are next. I feel like that. Yeah. And I feel like the Mariners are due for it. Like, we should, I mean, First of all, Jared Kellenick, he he's the Mariner that the they got for the Diaz Cano deal. So uh-huh. you're welcome for that. Um, twelve. I mean, they're a young team. They're up and coming. It's Oakland at thirteen and seven. Seattle twelve and eight. And then the the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim with the the Mike Trout Shohei Hotani like show. It's 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 a. Uh, King Kong and Godzilla, not versus <laughs> Godzilla. <laughs> what if King Team Kong? Up. What if King Kong versus Godzilla? They weren't fighting each other; they were on the same team. That's the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. That's exactly right. They're nine That's and exactly nine. Right. The Houston uh, Astros uh, are nine and ten, and the Texans. Houston Astros are Mothra, and the and the Texans, formerly owned by George Bush, nine and eleven. Not saying George Bush did 9-11, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying they are. I'm just, I'm just saying, saying they're 9-11. That's, that's an awful coincidence. Hmm. Hmm. Do you remember hmm. when George Bush, George H.W. Bush's, uh, or was it, it was George W. Bush. His name was on the American League Baseball. Yeah. 
because he was the president of the American League, right? What a, what a wild time. Dude, what a great life that guy has led. I mean, president of the United States, president of the American League, president yeah. of the Texas Rangers, He's and like, now he paints fucking dogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't care what our record is, but at the end of the yeah. year, but 20 games in, we need to be 9-11. <laughs> See? Because... <laughs> See what I did there? Because a lot of people think I did 9-11. And we're gonna. We're gonna do it. <laughs> At least in our record. I'd love to see if there if how many times in the last 20 years the Texas Rangers were 9-11. They just did 9-11. Games. <laughs> like, has George Bush been trolling us ever yeah. since 9-11? Yeah. Because the Texas Rangers started 9-11 every year. Yeah. He's I mean, like, it's kind of genius. He's like, I also have two 7-Elevens in every town in Texas. That's <laughs> that's two plus seven elevens. It's not elevens. <laughs> in the AL Central, the Kansas City Royals, who we have, like, we have been requested to talk about the Kansas City Royals. It's here's, like, here's something I know about the Kansas City Royals that I didn't know our last pod, is that Carlos Santana is raking for them. Yes. I was like, what happened? The last I uh, heard of Carlos Santana, he was raking for the Phillies. Before that, he was raking for the the Indians. Uh, but it's basically him and Sally Perez just doing damage, and Whit Merrifield, and and Perez like um, on the offensive side. Per, like what Perez is like the face, the body, the personality of the entire Kansas City, and you gotta love yes. it. Yes. Yes. They sent so, everybody everywhere after, you know, the World Series run. They go to back-to-back World Series. They lose to you guys. They beat us. They get rid of everybody almost kind of immediately after. Except for Sally Perez. And it's and it works. And he's raking. Yeah. 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 Um, what a fun team. I feel like they went I, – I know we went over this last time, but the – the switch from the road grays to the road great uh, baby blues. Yeah. I think is the secret, man. Um, Sally Perez, top five catcher in the last pretty much top five every year. Yeah. In the last 10 years, the last right? like seven, at least, eight at years, least, at least top three. Yeah. Right. In the last seven yeah. years, eight years. Yeah. Stud. Um, the, AL Central looks like this from the bottom up. Detroit seven and thirteen, Minnesota seven and eleven. I I predicted a, a drop off for the Twins this year. I didn't think, think it would be like this. The the Cle- and by the way, it's early, but I'm just saying. You yeah. know, I thought I thought they'd be in the mix. I think I I think I picked them, and I yeah. think you picked the White Sox. I did pick the White Sox. Uh, we have Cleveland eight at eight and ten. The White Sox, my White Sox, have now jumped finally above five hundred. They have. They're six and four in the last 10, but they've won the last two and go from uh, eight and nine to 10 and nine. I feel like they're, they're surging. I know. I feel like we got to it late. Everybody wanted us to talk Kansas city Royals, but now the, the white Sox are a game and a half back. I see my white Sox surging. I like it. I wish we had talked Royals earlier, but I think time's running out. I think the white Sox surge. The White Sox are coming. The the White Sox are a coming. We have what's amazing is a an AL East that is haunted by former Mets. The Baltimore Orioles are eight and eleven. 
which first of all, for not the, so terrible, not so terrible, right? Not, not so terrible. Pretty, pretty not terrible. Pre- yeah. Meanwhile, you know, let's go. O's. Meanwhile, Matt Harvey, uh, one and one for the Royals, but with a plus five ERA. ERA. He started out looking pretty good and it fall fell apart pretty quickly. That's pretty standard. Matt Harvey. Now the Orioles fun story. I like the Orioles. I like to root for the Orioles. I always say the Orioles for a long time were my AL team. Um, but now like, this is great. This is great. Mm -hmm. Orioles are eight and 11. You're competitive. You're fucking around with AL, AL East teams. Also eight and 11. Also four games back. Your New York Yankees. Joe. Nothing gives me more joy than this. <laughs> What's wrong with the New York Yankees? Last go. Uh, they can't pitch. They can't hit. They keep getting hurt. I don't know. Am I close? I mean, <laughs> all their all their guys are hurt. Um, they uh, yeah, they can't score. They can't, they can't score. Keep the other guys from scoring. It's almost like they hired a manager without any experience whatsoever they have like 60 h's they have 60 h's right. who just right. t- take take huge wild hacks <laughs> like there's no strategy if first of all <laughs> if if aaron boone had a strategy approach he wouldn't be able to use it because it's like hey have you guys thought about swinging as hard as you possibly can <laughs> i don't know what's going on with the yankees i haven't watched them i just know the joy that you get for watching them down in the standings with the Orioles. I saw one series with the Blue Jays. Um, I had a lot more fun watching the Blue Jays with Bo Bichette and Kavon Biggio and Vladdy Jr. Um, than I did with the Yankees. So, unfortunately, they're both under 500, so we can't talk about them. Correct. The Toronto Blue Jays were also under 509 and 10. And yes. uh, but they're better than the Yankees. But they're better than the Yankees as of tonight. And four of their nine wins are on the arm of Stephen Matz. He's four and oh. Yeah. I have you I have said made, it. I have made some wild predictions on this show over the years. <laughs> but one of them was that the White Sox, I mean, it's not a wild prediction. The White Sox, uh AL Central, it's a coming. Yeah. I said Stephen Matz is going to haunt my dreams and nightmares. He's four and zero. I said he's going to shove in a playoff series. Now they're under five hundred, so playoff series not looking likely right now, but it's early, and he's four and zero. And he could get traded to a, a contender. How ridiculous is it that he has significantly he has double the amount of wins as Jacob, Jacob Degrom? Do you know it's going to be? You know it's going to be your, your real nightmare is when the Giants trade for him at the All Star break or by the trade deadline and he wins a playoff series against your Mets. That would be, that would be heartbreaking. (laughs) (laughs) Then we got the Tampa Bay Rays who are 10 and 10. I said, we'd see a fall off from the Rays. I was uh, so far wrong about that. I mean, they're, they're 500. They're only, but they are two and a half games back, but another crazy prediction. I said, for no reason whatsoever, other than I feel it, we'll see a resurgence of the we, Boston Red Sox. We both said this. Yes. Like, we both did not feel like the Red Sox were going to be down and look at them, they're 13 and 8. How about that? The Red Sox have, besides the 
Los Angeles Dodgers, who have a plus 32 run differential. The Red Sox have the second largest run differential in all of baseball, plus 24. They are 7-7 seven and seven at home. They are 6-1 and one on the road. They're only 5-5 five and five in their last 10. So, you know, they were, uh, you know, 7-3. and three. Now they're 13-8. and eight. But they're two and a half games up on the AL East right now. I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen one Red Sox game yet, so I don't know how they're doing it. But I felt it, Joe. I felt it. I felt it at the beginning. There's just no way that these guys are going to suck a game. Yeah, they've lost three straight. They were thirteen and five. Do you feel like what? Talk they've to got me a about, twenty-four run differential, though. I, I That's want, pretty good. I want you to answer one question for me. Yes. Here are your choices. Forget Tampa Bay, forget Toronto, forget Baltimore. If you had to pick between the Yankees and the Red Sox to win the AL East this year, the Red Sox are uh, currently I, four games up on the Yankees. Who do you pick? I I pick the Red Sox because they've scored 112 and only allowed 88. That's a that's a 24 run differential. The Yankees can't score. Minus five. I'm taking the Red Sox. I mean, the Yankees in two less games have 42 32 less runs. Less runs. Yeah. Thir- no, so yeah. 42. Sorry. 42 I'm going to leave them after you, Italian guy. Yeah. We've That's been established. <laughs> hey, let's fucking come over here. <laughs> that's what, that's that's what you guys love to do. That's, Italian guy's like, hey, yeah. You owe me $42. No, you're 32. You owe me fucking 42. <laughs> you fucking know you do. Don't you thought I was laying? Me. Don't try to Give fucking me 32 me. <laughs> Laz, uh, what is your standout moment of the baseball season so far? Like what what's what's been your great baseball moment? Um, Jazz Chisholm's chain game. His I think it's quadruple. Um, thick gold chains and his bombs have been my um, my joy of the last two weeks. Jazz, Discovering Jazz went, went yeah. big fly off of Degrom or a couple you know a couple weeks ago hits an upper deck shot at City Field because Degrom was like fuck you fuck you fuck he threw Degrom goes one oh one upstairs and Jazz Chisholm four chains him. <laughs> I mean, it was a chain game, bro. Yeah. His chain game is right now. It's the best in the big leagues. Jazz Chisholm. Jazz Chisholm. Full dude. Full dude right now. Is he your dude? dude. Is he your dude of the week? Is he your dude of the year so far? Uh, I mean, I still miss Nick Cassianos. Um, The, I mean, DeGrom's DeGrom's certainly got to be up there for this. Like, hi, I throw a hundred all the time now. Like version of myself. Um, and, uh, jazz chisel. Yeah. For the chain game. And now on the, on the flip side of that coin, who, who is dancing in your, like, fuck this guy portion of the, uh, major. League um, fuck this guy. I mean, <laughs> pick an Astro. I mean, yeah. is it, is it Alex Bregman? I mean, I hate to, 
I hate to root against a fellow Jew, but like Jesus Christ, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's pick an Astro, basically. The only the guy I really like in the Astros is your dad Alvarez, and he's always hurt. I here's here's my I, like this is crazy. This is crazy, and and I, uh, let I, me guess, it's going to be a Yankee, no. Bryce Hopper, Bryce Harper, no. or somebody on the Cubs. It's going to be somebody on the Cubs, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not somebody you think. Here's the thing about uh, the Cubs is like, I want this guy to be a Matt. Not like I'd rather have Chris Bryant. I think Chris Bryant's a nice fit for the Mets. Like move Chris Bryant into our third base spot mm-hmm. and like let the Cubs, you know, fucking die. Um, Javi. Is, you can't have Javi and Lindor. Sorry, bud. No, no, no. And that's the thing. I, I kind of, I kind of want Javi, but like, I know that we can't have Javi and Lindor. Yeah. And I, th- yeah. I think, I think in terms of a mixed personality bag, like the left side of your infield makes so much more sense as Lindor and Bryant. Yeah. Than it does as Lindor and Javi. It's like, it's too swaggy. It's too swaggy. It's no, too they'll swaggy. be fighting over balls like in the, in the hole. You can't have it. But here's my problem with Javi. Mets play Cubs. Mets get swept by Cubs. And this is me. You know, this is sour grapes. No doubt about it. But Javi is playing like dog shit. Javi's playing like dog shit. And then uh, he goes, he goes big fly against the Mets. And it's the most, it's the most like over the top home run pimping. Right situation like my 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 problem with this is like how what's your baseline for average on the season for you to pimp a home run if it's not like a walk-off like like what do you have to be hitting (laughs) uh i look you know i probably wouldn't pimp a home run pretty much ever because i hit him so infrequently it's more of a surprise than anything i just try to like not run so fast you know um but here's the thing with when you're el mago right you he's gotta hit, live on he's hitting 233 on the year but he but he does have that doesn't six matter del mago. but he does have six that doesn't bombs. Matter. it's the hardest 233 in the league right and like yeah so that's where you that's where his, he's got to live on a rational confidence island like that's how El Mago goes. And, this and is, that's what the El Mago you want. And this is my issue with uh, the irrational confidence game of Javi Baez. I believe it was Tuesday. What is this? I think it's, it's Tuesday. He K's four times. He K's four times. Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday in a 14-6 Cub win blowout. He hits a meaningless homer, and I mean, he Nancy Kerrigan's down the first baseline. It's a triple axle. It's a it's a lutz. There's, he, he mixes in a lutz. There's a you know it's 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 a okay. it's an aggressive, sure home run. Okay, pick. but here's here's the thing though. Here's the thing. My game never had any of El Mago flash, right? Eric Karros's game. Speaking of a guy who hits meaningless home runs and blowouts. Speaking, right? of, speaking of a guy who also has your hair. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, 
if he pimped a home run like that, having having after having a swagless game, that would make me more mad than Omago being El Mago. And that's why I can't get mad at him because this is who he is, you know? And it's a little bit of sour grapes. Let's be real. So I'm not going to do fuck Javi then. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. See, wait, I mean, no, you, oh, you can't. No. no, but you can fuck El Mago. Yeah. You know, because it's really, it's not Javi that you're mad at, bro. It's El Mago. It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Listen, it's not Javier that you're mad at. It's El Mago. It's. <laughs> <laughs> well, Laz, before I decide who exactly we are fucking, because yes. I, I, I need, I need a passionate response from you. When I say fuck, yes. like I feel like right. if I said fuck Javi Baez, you wouldn't, you wouldn't follow up with the same passion that you usually <laughs> follow up with. Tell everybody about the. Uh, Venice Gays Poker Tournament one more time. Okay, it's the uh, Venice Gays first annual 50-50 Poker Tournament. We're raising money for our field, Sarah High School. Um, it's I'm gonna all the instructions and everything are gonna be on the tweet that I tweet out right after this uh, this post um, on my Twitter at Andy Lazarus. You can see it all on my Instagram at Andy Lazarus and on the Venice Gays Instagram and Andy Lazarus. So it'll all be posted there. Also the first two episodes of uh, Venice Gays 2021. I love, I love these Venice Gays episodes, by the way. Oh, good. I'm They're glad. great. I'm glad. They're great. But you Guys, saw the less sizzle versus Scott Mitchell. Yes. I love that. Subscribe, <laughs> subscribe to the Venice Gays Instagram. It's the best Instagram. It's following all the gays. Uh, I love it support the support the Venice gays and more content by playing in the poker tournament, uh, follow Andy Lazarus on Andy Lazarus on all social media. Follow me at fix your life on Twitter at Joe Prano and all of their social media follow at dirty slides on Twitter, even though Twitter support refuses to reply to any of my messages and give us this back, which is ridiculous, uh, a disaster. We did get before we go last, this is what we're going to mm-hmm. wrap up with. We did get three messages into the slide into the emails. Sorry, yeah. two, two, two messages. The first one, okay. leader of the ALM. This is from Brett. Uh, I mean, Brett, you don't have enough vowels in your name. Brett Trebish, the leader of the AL MVP race is Whit Merrifield, 400 average, 1.317 OPS, and leads the AL and bombs while being a fantastic super utility defender. Also, the the powder blue uni talk with no mention of the Royals is utterly disrespectful. Thank you for the great content every week. Royals are coming. 2024 champs. Now, I love a lot of this. A lot of it is, you know, Kansas City Royals thing. But I, I the one thing I hate about this, because mm-hmm. I think you might be right, is 2024 world champs. I hate I, I don't want to see the Royals get again, but I think you might be. I think we might be a couple years away from a return to the Royals. Uh, I, or it could be sooner than we think, because I mean, let's be honest, like Sal, Salvador Perez and Carlos Santana are in the prime of their lives. You know, this is probably peak Whit Merrifield, you know, Whit- all they got to do is trade for all they got to do is trade for Steven Matz at the trade deadline when the world's Series. <laughs> Whit Merrifield also 
much like Jacob DeGrom, 32 years old with the late prime. The late yeah. prime. He is, is no a, longer, we, he's no longer the league leader in homers, but he's hitting 292 with three home runs, 13 RBI, and six six stolen bags right now. I mean, I like the, I love that from Wit. Yeah, yeah. Um, listen, uh, I, I I support it. Tell me more, Whit Merrifield. And then, I will do a I will do a little deep dive this week. I promise. And then the final slide into the emails. Our email is at the dirty slides at gmail.com if you want to slide in. What's up, Joe and Andy? Hope all's well. Sorry, this is from Emiliano Barajas, my guy. Barajas. My my guy who has given me my my MLB password for years now. Emiliano <laughs> Barajas. What's up, Joe and Andy? Hope all is well. My question is, do you think Byron Buxton could be a slightly above average wide receiver if he played in the NFL? He's insanely fast, seems to be able to catch any ball. Obviously, his lean build is not ideal for football. But what do you guys think? Could be a pr- productive receiver, or would he just be John Ross 2.0? I don't know. Does he catch the ball with his hands, or is he a body catcher? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's that's what we got to know. I think Byron we got to catch – he catch the ball with his hands, right? I think he's he an NFL receiver. I think for right, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's really just about his ability to want to take a hit. Yeah. I yeah. think he's got I'm all so- the tools, but can he take can he take the hit? Byron Buxton seems like the kind of kid who was uh dunking off two feet in seventh grade. Absolutely. Like at five nine. I say it all the time. I say like Byron Buxton's the kind of guy who'd like if he, if that was his thing, he could be in the NBA. Yeah. And, and then I say all the time, every single six, six NBA player that you've ever heard of is like the third best receiver in NFL history. Like Paul, <laughs> Paul George, is, Paul George, Paul George is just, it's like Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, Paul George. Yeah. And that's, and that's proof by Randy Moss just being like a pretty damn good high school basketball player. <laughs> like just, just some good old boys. Yeah. Remember that commercial? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. so good. So Andy, good. That's our show. I know you got stuff to do. We're out here on a Friday night. I'm going to let you get to it. Everybody playing the uh, dirty slides. Come play poker with us tomorrow night. Slash Venice yeah. Gays Poker Tournament. Playing it. Give some money to the kids. Give some money to the field. I'm, I'm all about it. And They're like, we're, we're trying to, we, we need a new bullpen mount. If we can get a new bullpen mount out of this, oh, man. Oh, man, that'd be exciting. So, guys, play some poker tomorrow night. Thank you for listening to the show. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Keep subscribing to our all of our social media. And here's the thing, guys. Be your best selves right now. Don't save your best self for somewhere else. If you're in a relationship right now, be your best self with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Don't don't save your best self for your next girlfriend or boyfriend. Like, Four and Stephen Matz did after he fucking broke up with us and fucking became a member of the goddamn Canadian slash Florida based Toronto Blue Jays. You were our guy. You're from Long Island. We loved you so much. We wanted you to succeed. You were in the same locker room as our boy John Semmel in high school in fucking min- the minor leagues. And then this is what you do to us. You go four and with the fucking Blue Jays. Fuck Stephen Matz.